Now you see, there are some of you who have been in the church for a while and you think that it's one of the things we do when we have a convention, they mention his name. But I can tell you that if there was no Lighthouse Chapel International, today would not be happening. Put your hands together for him again. He's a great man. Amen. Amen. And, and in the whole wide world, there is no man as anointed as Bishop Dag. There is no doubt about it. Amen. Put your hands together for him again. He's a great man. Hallelujah. Amen. And I want I want us to also honor Reverend Patrick Bruce. Whose, whose son I am. Amen. Yeah. And he's, he's, I came from Kumasi. And he's the senior pastor there. And he's my pastor. And and he too, if it hadn't been for him, perhaps I'll be in Lighthouse, but I'll be a church member. Just coming and going. Amen. And he's a pastor. Those of you who know him know that he's a pastor. He's a pastor. Amen. And I have left my church. Sunday I'll be here. How many people are happy that I'll be here on Sunday? <laughs> By the grace of God. Sunday I'll be here. But I have left my church in Kumasi. He has allowed me to come and be here and be here even on Sunday. Amen. Put your hands together for him. He's a great man. Amen. When we were coming, he came to see us off at the STC when he was leaving. Prayed to release some blessings. You know, when I came, I got, I got here. I said, We have reached, we have arrived. Then he sent a text message back with some powerful. You understand? So as I'm standing here, I'm loaded. It's not easy. Amen. And I want us to put our hands together for Reverend Edmund Nilai Brown. Amen. Yeah. Amen. That man, he has fire in his bones. I'm telling you. And you see, one of the things, why is the thing, Charlie, make a mind One of the things that it is, that is characteristic about him is that he knows how to make you do what he wants you to do now. Whether you like it or not, whether it can be done or not, whether you think it is impossible or not, it can be done now. He's a very powerful man. Put your hands together for him again. Amen. Amen. And then, and then I want to thank Auntie Linda. Okay. For you know, look. Let me tell you something. One day, one day when you get when you get to where I am, you will see that it's a very big privilege. Do you understand? That I have traveled from Kumasi. To come here, to come and preach in somebody's church. Yes, she has organized a convention. I'm very, very grateful. I will never forget it, I tell you. I cannot forget it. Amen. And as she said, she's my friend, very close friend. Amen. And I'm very, 
I cannot express how grateful I am for the opportunity. Amen. Put your hands together for her. She's great. Amen. Okay. My wife is in the house. I met her in J Church. So those of you who, who are not doing the work of God well, no, <laughs> think twice. <laughs> uh, we're all in the J Church. She will lead and worship. Then I will come and preach. And then it has worked. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But she's is powerful. And then, and then I came. I came with three people from Kumasi. Amen. Okay, I came with Kofi, the one on the keyboard. And Kafui, the one who sang a while ago. And then there's a one standing behind him there. He's called Taduba. He's from Sierra Leone. He has come to see Tamale. <laughs> Amen. Okay. Powerful. Hallelujah. Amen. And I want to appreciate the most romantic man in the whole arena. <laughs> Amen. And then and then also Lay Minister Ernest. That's a powerful church and a powerful power ministry. Amen. Amen. And I want to thank you for coming. Amen. Thank you very much for coming and for the expectation that you have. I believe that God has come here. God is here. And whatever it is that we are expecting, we will we'll, we'll get it from him. Amen. Put your hands together for the Lord for today. And just lift up your hands. We want to pray. We want to just lift up your hands and want to pray. I want to just speak to the Lord for like 30 seconds and just say that He should speak to you. Just say something to you. Something that you have not heard before. That He should open your eyes to see that something that you have not seen before. Just, just ask God to do something that He has not done before in your life. Something that also will be permanent. That will not fade. That will remain forever. Father, we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus for tonight for the privilege and the opportunity. We are who we are by your grace. It is by your grace, Lord, that we are here. We know that you have a purpose for tonight, that you have come to bless lives, to change us, to transform us, to make us people that you desire to look upon. That, that will please you. We thank you, Lord, for tonight. I pray that, Lord, you will cause your unction, Lord, to break out in this place in the name of Jesus. Let your anointing fill this place, O oh God, heavily, Lord, in the name of Jesus. May no, no space in this room be spared, O oh God. May your spirit fill this place mightily, O oh God, in Jesus' name. Let your word come out in power, O oh God. In power, O oh God, in the name of Jesus. Let lives be changed, O oh Lord. Let your words come out clearly, O oh God. Let there be no confusion, no doubt, in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Bless us, O oh God. Change us, O oh God. Live a permanent change in our lives, Lord. And I pray for myself that, Lord, you will cause your anointing to flow. And you will open my mouth to speak your word, O oh God, in the name of Jesus. May my spirit be open to receive your word, Lord. And as you speak, Lord, may I speak to your people. We give you praise and we give you glory. And all that says, say, Amen. Oh, is that Amen louder? Amen. You may take your seats in the church. <laughs> okay. Right. So, 
God has sent me to, to tell you something. Amen. And tonight, my message is entitled, Take Heed How You Hear. Amen. Take Heed How You Hear. Amen. Is there a projector man? Is he there? Okay, powerful. Alright, so turn your Bibles to Mark 4, 24. King James. If I don't have the King James, so show me some King James. Mark 4, 24. Right. Hey there. Aha. Uh-huh. And he said to, he said unto them, Take heed what ye hear. With what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you. And unto you that hear shall more be given. Twenty-five. For he that hath to him shall be given, and he that hath not from him shall be taken even that which he had. Now, this, this thing that he says in, and please, you, you have to pay attention to what I'm saying. This thing that he's saying here, in, in Mark 4.24, he says, take heed what ye hear. Or, you're not minding me in the church. I'm the only one in the church today. Hey, if you don't mind me, that will not work. <laughs> Amen. It says, take heed what ye hear. But he says this thing again in the book of Luke, okay? In Luke chapter 8, verse 18. He says, You're looking for it. Let me read it from my Bible. Okay, he says, Take heed therefore how ye hear. Do you see the same scripture? It's one of the things I've come, one of the things that I believe I have come to show you tonight in a few minutes before we close is that. There, there is no unnecessary detail in the Bible. Point number one. There is, there is nothing that is written in the Bible that you can take out because it is not necessary. Are you with me? Oh, mind me. Are you in the church? That's the first thing. And then the other thing that you must understand is that it is not a mistake that the same person is saying the same thing, but in the book of Mark, he says what? And in the book of Luke, he says how? And, and one of the things I, that I intend, by the grace of God, to achieve is that, you, that you, by, the, by the time we are, from, we are moving from here from, till Saturday, you will be able to see that when you are reading your Bible, when you are looking into it, everything that you see there, it means something. And, and, and you should have a certain attitude of inquiry. To, to want to know why. When I see something like this, I ask myself, why? What is the meaning? Why is what and how? Amen. But I want to talk about this one. Okay, because you see, I know that like we are here in a convention. We have had many conventions before. How many have had a convention before? You fell down. Oil was poured upon you. The word was great. The revelation was deep. But when you look at it yourself from now, compared to then, not much has happened. You don't mind me again. Ah, you have finished dancing and jumping. You don't mind me. Oh. Shh. Amen. 
Are you here? One aim that I intend to achieve is to help you to see. When you look in the Bible, you should see beyond what is there, what you are, you are reading. I have been telling Kofi, where has he passed? Yeah. That when I, when I meet you and I ask you, have you had a quiet time today? And you say yes. And I say, what did you read? And you say, oh, I read Psalm 23, verse 1. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I say, okay, so what does it mean to you? So, oh, yeah, it means that the Lord is our shepherd. So, we will not want. Of course, of, do you need any revelation to see that? That is what he's saying. And see, what, what I even dislike the most is when I ask you, how does the word apply to you? And you say, oh, the, the Bible you know, is saying the Lord is our shepherd. The Lord is our shepherd. But, you see, the thing, is, the thing that you are missing is that quiet time is what? Oh, you know this one. Quiet time is what? Time you spend with God alone. So when you went to spend time with God alone, and he talked to you, you know, and I come and I'm asking, say, what did God say? So what, what do you, oh, you know, I read Psalm 23, Psalm 23 verse 1 says, that, oh, the Lord is our shepherd, you know, and we shall not want. But that is not, that is not it. If that is all you are seeing, then you are just wasting early morning time. Forgive. How many people are, how many people are, how many people are feeling sleepy already? <laughs> I've not begun. No. I've not started. Let me, let me, let me show you. <laughs> no, 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 no. I've not begun at all. You don't start sleeping. Okay, let me preach. Before people start sleeping. Now, now King James says that in, in Mark 4.24, it says, take heed, take heed what you hear. In Luke 8, it says, take heed how you hear. Two things that we see here. Number one, number one is that Number one is in, in Mark 4.24. It's the content of what you are hearing. And here we are referring to the word of God. When you come to church, you are listening to the word of God. When you listen to a message, you are playing a message, you are listening to it, you are hearing. When you, when you read your Bible, it is also a certain kind of hearing. And he's saying, and this is Jesus talking, that part of the, of the Bible is in red, if you have a, a good Bible. And he says that, take heed what you hear. So there are two important things about what you are hearing. Number one is the content. What is inside what you are hearing? What is this that you are hearing? So, Somebody is preaching. Somebody is here. I'm preaching. You are here. What are you hearing? How many people are in the church? Number two. Number two is take heed how you hear. How the how is your posture. How how are you hearing? Some people are sleeping. <laughs> you, are sleep, you are hearing and sleeping. How many people are seeing what I'm trying to show you? Content. It's like, what is, I came here, the last time I came here, I was here on a Tuesday service and I was sitting on a chair there. Reverend Brown was preaching from, um, from a book. Um, know Your Man. I, I, I tell you, you know, as I was sitting down there, you see, Reverend Brown, when he's preaching from a book, he normally reads it. That's what he does, two of us. He will, he will read. So then he would explain, uh, he would give the windows. Then you can, he will read it again. That's what, that's what he does. I was sitting there. He was reading. I, I, one of my most blessed two, I got, there were five points. Three of them, it, it was to me. It was from the book. I have the book, so I have three. No, you're a man, I have three. 
<laughs> I'm telling you something. Do, I, listen, and what I'm saying is this: He did not, he did not, um, you know, like prepared a message from the book. He didn't get a new revelation from the book. Oh. He read the points, some points, three of them from the book. I tell you, as I was sitting there, I said, hey, God is talking to me this evening. And I've not forgotten since that time that I came. Every once in a while, when I take my church notebook, when I'm there, then I open to that part again and I see those three things. I look at it, I think about it, and I feel blessed again. What you are hearing, what are you hearing? As I'm talking to you tonight, what, what are you hearing? Pastors are preaching Sunday after Sunday. But what, what are you hearing? You have become quiet now. <laughs> Some people are not used to, to me or something. I don't know. <laughs> but me, but for me, you see, the what is the issue. But to me, I'm very much more concerned about the how. How are you hearing the thing? How are you standing? Are you standing? Are you sitting? How? What is your posture? Because you see, I am sure. That the posture affects your ability to receive the content. Maybe good content. But if you're not positioned properly. How many people understand posture? <laughs> posture is, is how you are. You have, if you are sitting down, how are you sitting down? <laughs> if you are standing, how are you standing? Or is, are you standing or are you sitting? Are you with me? Are you with me? There are some things. There are some things. They are, they are received Standing. You better receive them standing. It's better to receive it standing than, than sitting. Do you understand? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Some people are looking. <laughs> when a man goes, when a man's wife is pregnant and has gone, is going to the labor ward and he has brought the woman and the woman has gone into the labor ward and is going to give birth. Okay. Does a man sit down to wait for the news from the labor ward? Does it stand? <laughs> so, you see, the way, the way he'll be pacing. You see that this, this news, no, that I am waiting for, no, it is not news you receive certain. <laughs> I'm preaching, I know I'm preaching. I'm telling you. <laughs> How many people are with me still? You blow tongues. Are you with me? Are you with me? Yeah. When you are having your quiet time, <laughs> I have a cousin. <laughs> when I was in GSS, we used to, I used to go like vacation time to go and stay with them from our house to go and stay with them. And then it was from them. Me, our house, we don't have any money devotion or any thing. When I was born <laughs> in my house, no, 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 no. When you wake up, we are waking up. If you have something to do, you go and do it. <laughs> you understand? So. When I want to live with this, my uncle, ah, I wake up in the morning, we cannot ask the morning devotions. What? What morning devotion business is this? Now, I realized that in the room where I was sleeping, my cousin, before we go for morning devotion, she wakes up in the morning and then she prays. It's something that I realized that all my aunties, my mother, that's it. All the, my aunties, my mother's sisters, they something they all do. So she too, she also does it. When you wake up in the morning, then. Here is the bed. Then she will do this. Now, this is how you're supposed to do and pray early morning before you go for the morning devotion. 
She does it like this. You give her two minutes, she'll be asleep again. I say, yo, this posture is not correct. <laughs> this posture, he said, that's how some of you have your quiet time. Are you with me? Are you with me? You wake up in the morning, like, somebody who is serious, you want to have quiet time. Then you have come, you are kneeling down by the bed, then when you finish, then you, it's like, if I do like, if I kneel down like this, I'll, I'll be tired. So, let me just, let the Bible be on the bed, and let me, when you open your eyes again, you know, the sun has come up. Do you see? So, I, so I'm talking about posture. Amen. I'm blind in the chair still. <laughs> Amen. Not like what I'm saying. Amen. Now we are closing. I know very soon. So I want to show you. I want to show you three things. I want to show you why, why we must take heed. Then I will show you how we must take heed. Then now take heed means be careful. Or NLT and then New Living Translation says. Um, pay attention. That's why I said that if you are kneeling down by your bed and with your elbows on, you're not serious. He says that the way you are, first of all, what you are listening to is important. That there's something you need to do about what you are listening to. You must pay attention. Pay attention to what you are listening to. Take heed means to pay attention, to pay close attention. And then two, pay close attention to how you are hearing the thing. Are you with me? Are you here? So, so I'm going to show you why Okay, three reasons why we are closing very soon. Three reasons why we must take heed what we hear. Three reasons why. Amen. Amen. Okay, um, give me Mark four twenty four NLT. Okay, the King James says. Number one, number five, the first reason why we must take heed is because King James says, with what measure ye met, it shall be measured to you. Okay, let me read it from the American Standard Bible, what it says. How many people are confused? Don't be confused. Amen. How many people are boring? <laughs> Amen. I'm trying to preach. <laughs> Amen. Right. It says, and he was saying to them, take care what you listen to. Then he says, by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. And more will be given you besides. King James says, with what measure ye met, okay, it shall be measured to you. Now, the first reason why you must be careful, what does it say here? And he said unto them, take heed what you are still showing me, King James, NLT, anyway. He says that take. He says that by by the measure you met, what it means is that the amount of attention that you put into hearing what you are hearing, okay, determines how much more you hear. Have I confused somebody in the church? I'm showing you three reasons. Three reasons why you must you must you must pay close attention to. You must take heed. You must be careful. It's because it's because the amount of is if I showed you there are different ways of doing something. You can have a quiet time. I have my quiet time sitting on a chair and a table. I put my Bible on a table and I sit on a chair. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Eh? When you are in church and the, and the pastor is preaching to you how you are sitting in the chair, you no, know, it's not just how you are sitting in the chair, but even even the posture of your mind. 
and of your heart. How? How is your mind? Some people, as a pastor is preaching, you are preaching against the word. You are preaching. So your, so your mind, your mind has not positioned itself properly. <laughs> Amen. Oh, I know I'm preaching. Why is the place quiet? <laughs> Hallelujah. It says, it, it, because the amount of attention that you apply to hearing, the way you are positioning yourself, the amount of attention you put in it, it determines how much more. Let me say something. I am telling you that on a particular Tuesday, I was sitting down here and I received three powerful revelations. Now, there were many of us in the church. Do not kid yourself that when we come to church and the pastor is preaching, we are all hearing the same thing. It's a lie. I can tell you that. We don't, we don't hear the same thing. It's saying the same words, same English words that, is coming out of, that are coming out of his mouth, but we are not he- all hearing the same thing because we are all listening with different postures. The how, the how, the how of the listening is different for all of us. And Jesus is saying that when you are hearing, be careful. Why? Because the amount of effort in how you are listening to the thing, it affects how much more comes to you. So if your if your positioning, your posture is correct, more revelation comes. I'm blind in the church still. What I'm saying, you understand what I'm saying. Number two. Number two, it says, and and, and unto you that hear shall more be given. For he that hath shall more be given. Okay. The NLC says, To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. Now, it sounds like the first one. Okay. Let me read it again. It says, And unto you that hear shall more be given. So watch. The first thing is, the first one I said is that, is that the effort, the measure with which you, you see, one is to meet is to, is to give something to somebody. Do you understand it? Do you understand it? Point number one is about giving. How much effort are you giving into your hearing? It affects how much you receive. Number two is how much are you receiving? It affects how much more you receive. Hey. <laughs> uh, how many people are see what I'm trying to show you? So, number one is how much are you giving? How much are you giving into the, into the, the hearing? How much you are giving will determine how much will come to you. Now, when, when you have given a lot and something has come to you, now how much you have received now will now determine how much more will be given to you. Do you see what I'm trying to show you? That's, that's why he says be careful. Pay attention. It's very important to pay attention. What you are hearing, how are you hearing it? Are you just in the chair? We are all, we've all come to convention. We are finished singing. You should hurry up and finish preaching in about 55 minutes, one hour, he'll finish. And then we'll go tomorrow. We'll come and dance again. We are ready for, we have a second dance. We are, we are, we have part one, two, and three. Saturdays, part three. So he should, he should see what what he's saying first. And then we can go tomorrow. Come again and come and do our second dance. Forgive. How many people are being blessed? I tell you. Number three. John 1, 12. It's a simple verse. And I know you know it. It says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Now let me show you something in that scripture. You see? When we say John 1, 1, 
In the beginning was the word. The word was God. The word was God. We, we, we go on. And then we conclude that. And how many of us conclude that? And that word is Jesus Christ. How many of us know that the word of Jesus is Jesus Christ? Okay. But do you know that from verse 1 to verse 12, he doesn't mention Jesus there. He says the word, was, the word was God. He doesn't say that the word is Jesus. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? I'm not saying that it's not true. It is true. But he doesn't say that. Now watch. If we were to read this verse, keeping the words there as they are, that in the beginning was the word, verse 12, but as many as received him, the word, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. And what we are saying is that as you are receiving the word, that word you are receiving is giving you power. Power here is the Greek, the Greek exousia, which means delegated authority. Do you understand it? Do you understand what I'm trying to show you? Uh, are you here? I have people here. It means that, it means that, number three, number three, the reason why you must be careful how you are hearing is that because as many as are able to receive the word, to them, to those people, that word gives the power, the authority to become the sons of God. Now, I see, I cannot begin to show you what, what privileges come with being a son of God. And let me tell you something. Sometimes we say that, oh, Jesus is the son of God. We are also sons of God, but it's as if, you see, as you are seeing, you are seeing as if we are lesser sons. You, you, you see, by doing that, you are reducing the, the, the effect of traveling from heaven and coming to earth to die and to rise up again on the third day. You, you are saying that, oh, he made us a son. He made us sons, but we are lesser sons. No, 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 no. He didn't waste the order for, for, for that. <laughs> you were... Look, the Bible says, the Bible says, when you read the book of Hebrews, he begins to describe all the things that happened. He said that, and he said that, he said that this particular gospel, what we have received there, he says, angels desire to look into it. Now, see, angels, they're in heaven. They, they have seen, they, I mean, they are with God. All the wild things that God has done, it does, they know. But this particular thing about, about, the, about the gospel, about Jesus coming and dying so that mere men can become the sons of God. It baffled them. They cannot understand it. He says, the prophets, eh, they wish that it will happen in their day. He says, as many. So number three, I'm saying, I'm saying that as many as receive the word, if you, re- if you put in effort, you will get more. If you get more, more comes to you. Now, if you get more again, you become a son of God. <laughs> do, do you see why I'm saying that? You must change your attitude about it. Like, we have come to church. Aunt Cinder is coming to preach. And when you see what happens, what is even more dangerous is that when she comes and says, Today, I am preaching from this book, Loyalty and Disloyalty. Then you switch off. <laughs> it's like, oh, loyalty and it's like, me, I've been in this church since K Church. <laughs> I've been in this church since K, since K Church. Loyalty and disloyalty, they are pretty ah, 39 signs, no, 37 signs. I can tell you all from the beginning to the end. What again are you can be delighted is like we have dressed up Sunday morning, we have come to church, you have come to preach what loyalty and disloyalty. Oh, what, 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 what are you talking about? <laughs> Hallelujah. But the Bible says, as many as receive that word, it is to them. To them, 
that authority is given or power is given to become the sons of God. Amen. I'm preaching. I know I'm preaching. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. How people are seeing the church? Wow. Me, I'm blessed. I see the day I saw this thing, I was, I was thrilled. <laughs> I, was, I was excited. Amen. Now let me show you something. Do you know? Do you know that the anointing of God, no, in some way, it is an authentication of your son, sonship. Now you see, in the, book of, in the book of Mark, I think, when Jesus went to the, Mark 1 or something, some place, when Jesus went to be baptized, okay, now, as I say, when you're reading the Bible, eh, take your time and look at the thing slowly. See what happened. He came. He said, John, baptize me. John says, oh, are you, how can I baptize you? You must baptize me. He says, oh, Charlie, relax. Let's, let's, let's do it this way, you know, for now. He says, okay, no problem. And the Bible says that when, he, when he, he entered the water, he came out. What happened? Then, you see, now, watch the, watch the sequence of events. He goes into the water. He comes out. As he's coming out of the, of the water, the Spirit of God comes upon him like a dove, which, which represents the anointing, true or false. And then what follows is a voice from heaven that says, this is my beloved son. Now let me show you. Wait, wait, slow. Relax. Ezekiel 2.2 says, and the spirit entered into me as he speak to me. You remember that one? Now it says, so, so as you are here, if you position yourself properly and the word is coming to you and you're receiving it, what's happening to you is that the spirit is entering into you as the preacher is speaking to you. It is as if Jesus has come out of the water, and as he's walking out, the Spirit of God is upon him. Now, so, so that anointing upon the next thing that happens is that, that that authenticates that you are a son of God. It is, you see, it is the word of God that you are receiving into you, that becomes spirit unto you, that gives that particular, that particular result that you are a son. I know I'm preaching. I don't know why you are, you are, you are quiet here in the church. <laughs> hey! How you, how you, your eyes are being open. You are seeing something. Uh, Amen. Amen. It's, it's serious. Like, like, we are calm. What are they saying from the pulpit? Sometimes, how many of you have come before? Genuinely, sincerely, you are feeling sleepy. Charlie, you are trying to keep your eyes open. <laughs> but it's not working. But you see, serious ones find ways and means. But those who are not too serious, they arrange themselves, move themselves to one side, and just fall asleep. So actually, yembre. <laughs> what a sh- shock. Amen. Now let me show you how. Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 1. I want to show you how you must take heed, or how you must hear. How? This part, it, it thrills me. Habakkuk 2, 1. Are you there? He says, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me. Full stop. Number one, the first how of hearing is to stand upon your watch. Are you there? Now let me show you something. Stand upon your watch means this. It's, this is a reference to like say, if in those days they used to have cities surrounded by very tall walls. Okay, and towers at the four corners. Okay, and then they have people who stand on the four on the towers and they watch 
outside the city to make sure that if there's an enemy coming, they can blow the alarm. Are you with me? Are you in the church? Okay, so let me show you something. Standing upon your watch, therefore, means that a person who is, who is, uh, watch, when we hear watch, it means watchman has come inside the thing. How is it? Security man, you can see security man in the thing. How is it? A watchman. Is that it? Now, what do you see? Normally, a watchman sits in one place. True or false? Two things I'm showing you here. When you are standing upon your watch, you are in one place, number one, and you are there for a long time. Shifts are normally eight hour shifts or 12 hour shifts. True or false? True. So it's either it's eight hours. If it's eight hours, then it's three eight hour shifts. That gives 24 hours. Or it's two 12 hour shifts. That gives you 24 hours. So I'm going to, I'm going on it. I'm going to work. Even if, if you're a nurse, you're going to, to work. You're going on a shift. It's not for a short period. So the, the two things you need to learn about being standing upon your watch is that a person who is standing upon his watch, number one, is standing is in a particular place, a particular position, place for a long time. He's in one place. That's the first thing. Number two, he's there for a long time. Sometimes you must give your quiet time more space. Sometimes when a pastor is preaching, allow him to preach for a long time. Because you see, then you are standing upon your watch. Do you understand? When you put a, a, a message inside and you are playing, you are allowing yourself to stand in the, to stand upon your watch because the message will be played if it's a camp. It's played for a long time. And you are in one place. You are, you are standing in one place where you are. You are there. When you, some, some of us, we, we are in a high, five minutes quiet time, two minutes quiet time, ten minutes quiet time. You don't have time. I am saying that. A person who wants to receive more is a person who will stand upon his watch who will be in one place, one place, and be still and be there for a long time. Let the word be coming to you for a long time. You are standing upon your watch. Amen. Some people on this side are not really following me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Number two, he says, and set me upon the tower. Now, the tower is the tallest point of the city. So that the person standing on it can see far ahead outside the city. So that he warn those who are in the city. True of us. It's true. Okay. So to, stand, to set yourself upon a tower means that it means that you need to elevate yourself above everybody else. It means, you see, do not be fooled. Not everybody in this room has quiet time every day. And so, if you are here and you have your quiet time regularly, you have set yourself upon the tower. It means that you have raised yourself above the normal. The normal people are in a hurry. They want to go to school. They want to be late. They want to go to work. But a person who can, who can, who can have his quiet time regularly is a person who has now raised himself upon a tower. You have lifted yourself above the normal. Everybody, the average white church person, average J church person. Because average J church person is not having his quiet time regularly. Me, I know. <laughs> the average white church person is not having his quiet time regularly. So the person who is having this now has raised himself. He has put himself upon a tower. You are the one who will see. You will see something. The person who reads, you read Christian books. People don't read. These days, people don't read. And so if you are a person who reads, then you have set yourself upon a tower above everybody else. Because normally people are not reading. Through of us. Maybe then me doing like you don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> Are you with me? Do you understand it? Yeah, that's the meaning of to set yourself upon a tower. To to raise your to raise yourself. You listen to messages, you read, 
regularly, everywhere you are going, you have a book in your bag that you are reading. Small, taxi, you are in a taxi, you take it out, you read a few lines, put it back in. You are lifting yourself, you are putting yourself on it, you set yourself upon a tower. That's number three. Number four, he says, and will watch to see what he will say unto me. It means, we watch to see, and I will watch to see. It, it represents anticipation or expectation. Do you understand it? Are you with me? I, <laughs> are you with me? It means that not only, not only have I decided to have my quiet time for a, to sit in one place, have my quiet time for a long time, okay, but I've also decided that when I'm having my quiet time, what will I do? I will expect that God will say something to me out of the ordinary. Psalm 119 says, Open down my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. That is an expression of anticipation or expectation. It is the meaning of to, to see. I will see. I want to see. I will set myself upon it. I will set myself upon, I will stand upon a watch, set myself upon it, and I will, I will, I want to see. I want to see. Some of you have, it's like, um, these days in J Church, every Sunday when we come, um, Aunt Celestia will ask us um, what, how, who had their quiet time. And he'll ask, she'll ask you to come and share. So these days, I have to have my quiet time. You, you don't have n- n- number three. You don't have the I will, I will see. I will see. I will see. I want to see. The anticipation. Me, I love quiet time. Ha. You see, I'm preaching to you from two verses. How many have realized? Okay, three. Mark 4, 24, 25. And then Luke 8, 18. Now, Mark 4, 24, 25 was a quiet time I had on a particular day. Two verses. This one. I'm preaching on one hour from it. How many people are surprised? <laughs> the things I'm showing you, I saw them. When I stood upon the watch and set myself upon the tower and I, and I, and I was wanting to see what he would say to me. And I saw. But if your quiet time is boring to you, it's because maybe something is missing from this list. Either you're not setting yourself upon your watch. It is too short. Quiet time is too short. Do you see you're in a hurry? Or you're having a quiet time, it is long, but then, or, okay, first of all, either you're not having a quiet time, which is the set me upon a tower. Some people are not having a quiet time at all. If you're not having it there, then you, you're not in the thing. If you're having it, then it's probably because you're having it, but then you're not being in it for a long time. If you're you are having it, you're being in it for a long time, but you're not seeing anything, then it's probably because you have no expectation. It's like, if I read Psalm 23, if I decide, okay, today, Psalm 23 verse 1 is my quiet time. I have heard someone, sometimes we used to recite it in primary school. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. But when I come, if I am going to have my quiet time tomorrow morning, I say, I am reading something, I want to say, mm, God. Psalm 23 verse 1. We all know that it says, you are our shepherd. We shall not want. But today, I want to see something else. Show it to me. Sometimes, I have read the, the scripture. I didn't see anything out of the ordinary. I closed it. I'm walking around town. Then as I'm walking around town, then I'll just think about it again. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Well, they will be going. If I don't see anything by the end of the day, tomorrow morning, I will come back to something in 3 verse 1. Because I've not seen. Because it is my expectation that I must see. You don't have any expectation. We're having quiet time. 
when we come, they will ask us to share. Then we will share. What will we, we say? The Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. Then they will clap for you. Then you go and sit down. Like you have done or you had your cry. Some people didn't have, but you have had. You know? Yeah. You must not listen. I have come to tell you that you must not be satisfied with. Let me. There are some days nothing, nothing comes. We take it like that and we move on. And then we hope that one day something else, something will come. But if it's your everyday story, something is wrong. You must be worried. Monday, nothing. Tuesday, nothing. Uh, seven days, nothing. No. Something is not, is not working. Because you see, it, the, the Bible that you are seeing there, this thing that you are seeing here, you think that, you think this thing couldn't have been bigger than this? Do you think the Bible couldn't have been bigger than this? If all that God wants to say to 6.5 billion people in the world, all that he wants to say, assuming that each one, one of us will live for 70 years, assuming, Auntie Abigail, what God, if you don't have visions or dreams, and the only way that you can hear from God is from this Bible, for 70 years of your life, and it's all in this thing. People read this Bible in one year. Two of us. People read this Bible in one year. So it means that in one year, you would have finished reading the Bible. And you, have, you would have finished hearing all God wants to say to you in one year. You have 69 more years left. What will you do? <laughs> what will you do? All that God has to say to you, you read it in one year. You now know what God wants to say to you in one year. You read from Genesis to Revelation. One year. 69 more years of your life left. What are you going to do? You are not going to hear no visions, no dreams. Only this one. I finished reading this one too. So what are you going to do now? No. I don't believe that. It, there, is, it, there is much more in this than you can read in one year. So if you don't see something, you must see something. You must force and see something. Or you're becoming quiet. You are feeling sleepy. We should hurry up and close. Me, I, try, I took a bus to come here. <laughs> I should come and close early. Because <laughs> you are feeling sleepy. Oh. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, then we are closing now. People are, people are not responding to, to treatment. <laughs> Charlie, brother, show me Psalm 119 verse 20. I beg you. <laughs> NLT, and NLT, that's why I wanted to show it to me. I don't have NLT. I want to show you something. Psalm 119 verse 20. Uh, that's it. Watch this. It says, I am always overwhelmed with a desire for your regulation. Now, regulations there is it could be your word, your law. That's Psalm one nine. They have all these kinds of your word, your law. So let's let's replace regulations with your word, and let's read it again. It says that I am always overwhelmed with a desire for your word. That is the that is how you must want to see it. When you when you come to the word of God, every time you get to a place where the word of God is coming out, this is how you must be feeling. You must be feeling like this. I am overwhelmed. I am always overwhelmed with a desire. Like I said, there's a certain desire in me for your word, for something in your word that it overwhelms me. That is that I will I will that I will see what he will say to me. How you people are in the church still? I feel like I'm talking to myself. <laughs> Alright. Last one. Then we are closing. What to do with what you have heard? 
Do you understand? What to do, what you are ahead. So, so the first one is why you must pay attention. Second one is how you must pay the attention, how you must do the hearing. And then the next one is, is what to do, okay, after you hear. This is one eight. It says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. Thou shalt have good success. Amen. So, three things that you have to do. When you hear, see, when you, when you hear, as you are hearing, when you hear, number one, is that the words must not depart out of thy mouth. Okay. It's another way of saying that you shouldn't stop talking about it. Are you in the, are you in the church? It must always be in your mouth. For the word to always be in your mouth for you to talk it, it must be there. It must be put there. It means also that you must memorize, you must, you must, you must almost literally memorize the word of God. You must, you must get it into you. You see, I don't know. I don't know the way you're looking at my face. <laughs> you see, if, if you have your quiet time properly and you soak in it, days later, if you are standing somewhere and somebody by perchance mentions the verse, things come, start coming out of you. <laughs> I what I'm trying to say. Do you understand? Things will come out only when you are soaked. You, it must be so. You must, you must, you must soak the thing. You must memorizing is one of the ways. But you must get yourself into your word. If it's your quiet time, get into it. If it's a book you are reading, get into it. Are you with me? Are you in a church? When we're coming from from uh, from Kumasi to Tamale, I was in the bus. I was reading a book. One of the new books Bishop has written, Church Growth, and I was reading chapter one. Chapter 1 is very short. When I read it, I saw some line. Then I closed the book. And I put the book down. And I, and I was thinking about it. And I was just... Then I'll open it. Then I'll read that line again. And I close it. it. That is trying to get something to enter into you. Are you, are you with me? Actually, now I feel like I'm talking to myself. What I am showing you where you can get it. You will see that <laughs> what I'm saying is, is powerful. <laughs> I'm telling something, but I don't know how. I don't, Kofi, do you understand what I'm saying? I don't know how, like, I don't know how to make you get what I'm saying. It says, let the, the word must not, must not depart out of thy mouth, it must not finish from your mouth. Do you understand it? There, there must not be a day when your boy word, people, boys have met. We are opening scriptures. Then when you appear there, you really don't have anything to say. It's not. It, 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 it must not happen to you. And see, many of you who are here, forgive me, but your conversations most of the time are devoid of word. Now you see, listen. I am not saying that. I'm not saying that. You should, you should, you know, there are some guys, there are some guys, eh, they, they make themselves like, Charlie, I don't know, they are Christians, but they, you know, they, can, they have a certain way of making you feel that, Charlie, you, 
It's like you are not spiritual or something. It's not what I'm talking about, though. Eh? No. I'm not saying that you should. Some people have a certain. They, they have a certain way of acting spiritual. You, you act. You have that thing. You know how to do it. It's something you can learn. Some people learn it. They know how to. You know, the, the spiritual. <laughs> They have this kind of spiritual kind of... No, 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 no. I am talking about somebody eh, who has word in him. <laughs> Such that... I hear... Oh, no, no, nothing. I just, I just see somebody that I've not seen in a long time. That's all. No, 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 no. <laughs> somebody who has word in him such that when he reaches somewhere and then he hears John, he's like, hey. <laughs> Then, you see, as you are there now, you say, no. like, and do you remember what he says in verse 2? Okay. See, but when you, but you see, when you go down to the verse 6, hey. even what, what is even there, it, you see, that kind of, it, I think, no, it's, it, you can't help it. When you, when you reach the place and it is, it's not, you, that is in your mouth, you don't force it to come out. It comes out of your mouth because it is there. That's number one. Number two, it says, Thou shalt meditate therein day and night. So the first one is to soak yourself into it, to get it into your system so that it doesn't finish from your mouth. Second one is that, that this one, it says that thou shalt meditate therein. Now the meditate means to think about, to ponder. Okay. It also means to speak. If you watch the, the, the Greek trans, the translation, the various words that are there, one of the words there is to utter, and another one is to matter. Okay? Matter means to say something under your breath. To utter means to say it out. Okay? So, so part of your thinking or pondering about what you have heard or what you have, you have read is to speak it. You speak. When you are talking, you speak. It comes out. You see, and there's this revelation I caught sometime here. When I, my life changed. Okay, by the way, let me say it by the way. Actually, by the way, because, I mean, it's not a part of my... You see, you, say, you know what Jesus was saying that, that it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but what comes out of, of a man that defiles him. You remember that, that, script, that scripture? Now, see, when we, when we read it, what, what comes to your mind? So it's not what the food that you eat that makes you get dirty, but it's what you say. It's not it. Not it. Now, I've, now, listen, le- wait, this one is by the way, so I'm going to say it very fast and then we are going, we are going. Now watch, let me show something I, I saw. When Jesus said that, it's not what goes into a man that defiles, but what comes out of him that defiles him. The, the Greek word for defile, okay, also means to make the thing profane. Now, you think that profane means that you are talking about nudity and sex. But in actual fact, in the English, in the English language, when you make something profane, what you're actually doing is that it is a holy thing, but you have made it common. So to make a sacred thing or something which is expensive common is to profane the thing. Are you with me? To make something which is precious, something which is expensive, to make it common, to make it, to make it ordinary. That is to profane, which is to defile it. So he says that it is not what you are eating that, that makes you, that, that defiles you, but what comes out of you. Let's say it this way. What comes out of you, the words that come out of you, they are the things that make you an ordinary person. Some of you, you are walking around a place, then you are saying, hey, me, I'm a poor person. Me, I don't have money. That, those words are making you an ordinary person. Because, because, because the Bible shows us that 
those of us who have believed in him, we have become sons of God. Is that not true? Is that not true? The day you believe, the day you believe, you became a son of God. So when you're walking around the place and then you are saying, all your talk is negative. You are defiling your words that are coming out of you are defiling in other words, they are making you an ordinary person. I saw it in my quiet time. <laughs> I saw it in my quiet time. Do you, so, so, you, so, you see, by this word, it means that when I am talking, I'm saying that that's how medit- meditate means to think about a thing. That's, that's one. But to think, to ponder, to meditate also includes to speak what you have learned. I am a child of God. Speak it. Are you with me? I am forgiven. I am the righteousness of God, of, of Christ, of God in Christ. Speak it. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Speak it. I am a holy person. Say it. It's, it's part of the meditation. It's part of the meditation. As you are thinking about a thing to know, as it's going to you, say what God says about you. Let the rich, let the poor say, I am rich. Let the weak say, I am strong. It's all in the word. It's all there. When, when an angel came to Gideon one day, Gideon was somewhere hiding. It was a very ordinary guy trying to hide from there, all these kinds of then, then, then Nigel comes and says, he says hey, hey Charlie, mighty man of valor then he says, hey what kind of greeting is this you see, but, but you see, that, that is that is that is, <laughs> that is who he is as, as heaven looks at him, they see a mighty man of valor, but then he says I am, I am, I am from my tribe is the smallest and we are the weakest. I am from the a clan that is a very small clan. Me, Krampono, I'm nobody in my. So he's using his words to make himself ordinary. He's defiling himself. When God says you are a mighty man of valor, you say I am the weakest in my family. I'm saying, say it. Meditate on the. Uh, when you hear what you have heard, talk about it. You say disloyalty. Say disloyalty and disloyalty. Yeah. Don't be. Don't, there are some things that you don't do when you, are, when you are loyal. You don't say some things. There are things that loyal people say. Do you understand? Our pastor is a very good pastor. Our church is a very good church. That's, that's what loyal people say. So when you are meditating on the way that you are, you say such things. Don't say what disloyal people say, say. Don't say such things. Say what loyal people say. It's part of the meditation. Or oh, I'm confusing you. No. We are close in the last one. <laughs> the last one says, it says, for then. No, no, no. He says, that thou mayest observe to do. So when you are finished hearing the thing, and you are finished thinking about it and talking about it, now observe to do. Try to do it. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Oh. <laughs> you should close so I can go home. Try to. I'm the only one sweating in church. So why are you quiet? <laughs> you are sitting down me, I'm sweating. You are quiet. You not even say amen. Oh, amen. amen. Observe to do. Now I have learned something about doing. You see, I've, I have a, there's a book I'm reading. I gave it to Kofi to look inside and see what he will see. But it's a book that one day when you get some, you should read it. It's a book. It's a book called Destined to Reign. Written by a pastor called um, Joseph Prince. Now, you only look at him, he has a nice smiling face on the cover of the book. The whole book is about grace. And in that book, I learned something. You see, I used to wonder why they said that the gospel, no, the angels desire to look into it. 
Uncle Ray, when the Bible says that God has made him the righteousness of God in Christ, okay, what it means, and, I'm t- and see, that's what I'm saying, he said it in the book that sometimes when he's preaching these things, people say that, you know, he's, what he's preaching is not co- a correct thing, you know, it's not a very good, it's in the Bible, but it's difficult to preach. When he says that he, is the, he has become the righteousness, for it says, for he had made him to be sin for us, 2 Corinthians 5.21, I think. He had made him to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Do you see the scripture? That's the scripture. It's very, very simple. For he had made him to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So this man here is, you see, he didn't say that, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch the thing. He said, when you read the Bible, take your time. He says that, 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 that we might be made the righteousness. He didn't say that we might be made righteous. There are two different things. You are the righteousness, though. Not that you have been made righteous. It's like when, when somebody comes to God and say, God, um, I want to borrow your righteousness to go and do something right now and come. Um, please, can I borrow you? So he will say, Oh, she's here. Take care. Okay, this is, you want you want righteousness. My righteousness. Oh, I have plenty of righteousness. Ah, how many do you want? How many righteousness do you want? Oh, oh, you take as many as you want. Because because he has that we so he has been made the righteousness of God in in Christ. Now let me ask a question. What can you do so that you are no longer righteous, Uncle Ray? What can you do? What can you do? Watch you. In the whole of the scripture, he doesn't mention him. The Bible says, for he has made him. So there are two hymns here. One is God the Father. One is Jesus Christ. So, for he has made him to be sin for us. That we, we might be made or might become the righteousness of God in him. Tell me, what did this man do to become righteous? Or the righteousness of God? What did he do? So, what can he do to not become righteous? (laughs) How many people have seen something? How many people are happy about the word? So when I say when I say that he might observe to do, eh? <laughs> it only means you just try to do. You just you see you just want to do. Do you understand it? Because it is not the, it is not what you can do. It says it says we are saved. It's my time finished long time. <laughs> it says for we are saved by grace. Through faith, not of, not of, but it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If he had got the righteousness by works, he would be boasting. So, to, re- to remove the boasting from there, he took away that opportunity. He cannot be righteous by himself. He took away his right, his privilege to become righteous so that. He knows that his righteousness is not of himself. 
he has been made that righteousness in Christ. So, so that's why he said that. That's why he said that your righteousness is like they are like filthy rags. Even even the ones you are doing when you become born again, they are like filthy. You know why? It doesn't count. It doesn't do anything. What? Yes, it is what. He, it is, uh, no, no, no. It is not what you can do or cannot do. It is what he has made you. So you are working in all his righteousness. All his is you say. Yeah, today I have not lied. Yesterday I lied. I told three lies. But today, today one. Okay, right now it's, it's twelve o'clock. It's twelve o'clock. By the grace of God, I haven't told any lie yet. Let's see what will happen by the end of the day. It doesn't make any difference. How he saw you yesterday is how he's seeing you today. So, so as for you, dear, as for you, dear, just observe to do. You just try. You just try. The Bible says, "Give and it shall come back unto you." Try, try to give. Do you understand it? Try to. It's not that it's like you are doing something and you are forcing your armor that it's going to count. It's going to add to something. It is not. It is. It doesn't take away or add. You just try. You know why? Because you see, then he says that then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. It doesn't. You see, the the doing is not what's making you righteous. It only makes you prosperous and gives you good success. Just you just try and do what you can do. Do it and then success will come and then some prosperity will also come. But after the righteousness, it doesn't count. It doesn't, it doesn't make any difference. How many people are in the church still? How many people are here? Amen! How many people are blessed by it? <laughs> Amen. I've, I've closed. Let me see what is left. Wow. Okay, I have two more. I have two more. Number four. Hey, number four. Second Timothy 2.15. We are closing. It's fast, fast, fast. We are closing. Second Timothy 2.15. What, you, what do you do with the word after you have, you have heard it? Okay. Second Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God. Okay. A workman that... Ah, you have given up on me, eh? Uh-huh. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. The fourth thing that you need to do with what you have heard is to rightly divide it. To properly, to rightly divide it. What does it mean? I saw that thing in, in that book that I was reading. He said that, you see, he said that. <laughs> and, and you see, it's, it's important to, in, 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 even using this, this doctrine of righteousness and all that, you know, it's, it's, it's the main example I can give. In the Old Testament, you got some righteousness by doing something. That was, a, that was the law. Are you with me? In the New Testament, there's no such thing. You have been made righteousness. Okay. When you hear, when you, are, when you hear, as you are listening to the word, or you are reading your Bible, you should be able to separate things. I don't know, I don't know how, how to write it down. When do you understand? <laughs> Amen. Amen. Rightly divide. He says that in the, in the book that he said that that in this, this particular scripture, in application to that, it means that when you are reading, you must be able to separate, like what I'm saying, to separate the law. Yeah, separate. See, be able to know that when he said this at this time, he was referring to a certain law. This law. So let this one be there. Let this one also be there. Don't be confused about it. But try and arrange the word of God as it is coming to you. Try and divide it properly. I don't know what it means, but. It also means something. <laughs> One day, the Holy Spirit will make you understand it. 
But that is, that's another thing to do with the word of God. When you receive it, try and divide it rightly. Amen. Sometimes, sometimes, like sometimes you are listening to um, somebody, maybe you are, you are somewhere, somebody's preaching something, you know. Amen. Bishop says, says it, and a lot of men of God say that when a man of God is preaching, it's not everything he's saying from the beginning to, to the end that is what is God is saying to you. Are you with me? It's not. And, and many of us, we are unable to catch what is coming to us. You know, you, see that, you think that this message is irrelevant, but you must be able to, to rightly de- divide, take away, and take that one which is yours. Try and catch something. That is, this one is the thing I'm looking at. I said that there were five points. I remember I was preaching the last time I came here. Five points. I three. The first two, I divided it rightly. I divided it rightly. I took three. That was the one that was just my message. And then maybe another day, the other two will do something to me. But that day, till now, I divided. Divided in two and three. And I took three. I'm blind in the church. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. You don't understand it. And that's all. <laughs> the last one. Oh, I like this one. Tomorrow, come. Uh, <laughs> don't come, you have done yourself, I'm telling you. Tomorrow, I'll show you something. You, you'll be amazed. Number five, teach it. Hebrews 5.12 It says, when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that another teach you which be the first principles of the oracles of God. Is that not what it says? So it says that when for a time ye ought to be teachers, okay, ye have need Another teach you the first principles of the oracles of God. It means that the people they had already received a lot of preaching. Two of us. They had received it because he said, teach you again. Did he say again? Again. <laughs> Do you see again there? It means that the people they have been preached to before. Somebody taught them the first principles before. And now they have they have come here, they are sitting down again that they should teach them again the first principles of the oracles of God. He says, no, 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 no. At this point that you are rational, you must be teaching what you have heard. You have gone through the process. Why you must position yourself. How to position yourself. Now what to do? You have meditated upon the word. You have not let it back out of of thy mouth. You have observed to do according to what is written therein. You have divided the thing. Now the end of it is that you must teach it. Catch somebody. If you are in J church, you can catch a K church somebody. As for them, you know more than them. You can teach them. If your if your J church colleagues are too no, leave them. Find a K church boy and put him down. And say I'm going to tell you something. Okay, you sit down. Something for the Bible. Okay, eh? And you re- remember that Charlie? As you and see what you saw me, the person that I do target, I do practice on. How do you go? Sparring. Target practice. Is this guy. This guy. <laughs> That's why I brought him with me. I'm telling you. It, it's amazing. It, it's sometimes like, it, the age difference between me and this guy is a lot. It's a lot. But he's the guy I do my target practice. Before I come and stand here, I am preaching. I am preaching to you too. It, it, it's not difficult. It's not easy to preach for 10 minutes or 15 minutes. It's not easy. Only if it's your first time, you can you can see that the time is too long. <laughs> Do you understand it? But when I was coming for the convention, 
the thing I was worried about was how many minutes, how much time I have. And it's not that whether it is too long, but whether it is short. Do you understand it? Because like somebody said, I have many things to say. And it's because I've been practicing on this guy. When I when I'm reading my when I'm having my quiet time eh, and I see the thing pen on, then take my phone, I send a text message. Say, look at John 1 12. Look at John 1 12. Then you look and say, I don't see anything. I say, oh, look at it well. So I still don't see. Yeah. Then I will then I'll start showing it to him. I'm teaching him. Are you with me? Yeah. It is the end, the end of the process. When you start from the beginning of positioning yourself, and the end of the process is that somebody must be taught. You must teach somebody. So I'm saying that if you don't find this guy, this guy, he, he will listen to me. Even if I'm boring him, he will hear, he will listen. He can't go anywhere. There are many reasons why he can't go anywhere. Do you understand? Eh? Eh, he was my best man. He's my church member. I am his pastor. I am his pastor. If he, if he goes away, it's disrespect. It's disloyalty. He can't go anywhere. It's in the book. He'll be in the book. So, so he will sit down. Now give it to him. So, do you see verse 12? Come down to verse 15. Do you see what is there? If he doesn't see, he will see. <laughs> if he doesn't see, he will And I will be showing him until he sees it. Amen. So you to JHS guy, JHS guy, catch a KHS guy. You are in white church. Find some JHS boy. You are you are his party. You have a plan for him. The plan that you have to listen are plans of good, not of evil, to bring him to an expected end. That's so. When you are coming, say, oh, Charlie, let's go buy you watch it. Then you take him along. You buy watch it. There's a plan. Plans of good, not of evil. You see, after you have bought him watch it and go for some time, you no. Know, when you sit him down and start giving it to him, he can't go anywhere. He cannot go anywhere. He said. Do you, do you see that thing? Do you see that thing? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> see somebody. Amen. 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 Find somebody and teach them. That, that, is, that is the end of the process. How people are in the chest How people are taking the word of God seriously. May your eyes, see my prayer in this convention, that may your eyes be opened. Somebody's, even tomorrow morning, when you take your Bible to have your quiet time, may your eyes be opened. May you see something that you have not seen before. May, may it surprise you that it was there and you never saw it. May a familiar scripture become totally mind-blowing. And may God in your heart and in your spirit stir up an overwhelming desire for his word. Hey, may somebody love his quiet time more than his food. It's a very powerful prayer I'm praying. May, may, somebody, may, may somebody's body be itching and, and may he be uncomfortable when he has not had his quiet time. May you be in a hurry, in a hurry, in a hurry. When you sleep, may you be in a hurry to wake up and open your Bible again and see what God is showing you. I be, listen, I believe that by, by all means, one person, two people, by the end of this convention, you will see something. When you open the Bible... It's like, it's like it's a new book to you. May it be you. Stand to your feet. Let us close. Oh, put your hands together for the Lord as you are standing up. Amen. Hallelujah. Wow. Amen. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. We want to pray. I want to just talk to God about what you have heard. He said in Psalm 119 verse 20, he says that, that a certain overwhelming desire for your word, pray. Pray to God. 
pray to God. Ask for an overwhelming desire. Put it in somebody's heart, oh God. Tonight, Lord. Tonight, Lord. A desire, oh God, that cannot be quenched, Lord. Stir up in our heart, oh God, a certain desire, oh God, or passion, Lord. For your word, Lord, for your word, Lord, for your word, Lord, for your word, Lord. May there be an undying passion, oh God, for your word, Lord, in the name of Jesus. May something happen to us when we hear people talking about your word, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Stir up in our heart, oh God. Stir up in our heart, oh God, a certain passion for your word, Lord. I cannot hear you praying at all. I cannot hear you praying at all. It's not a desire. It's not, it's not something that, that you want. I cannot hear you praying at all. Something. Some, may there be something. May you feel that something is missing when you have not come to that word. When you have come and you have not seen something. Pray. Pray to God and ask for something. I want something, Lord. I want something different. Something that is permanent in the name of Jesus. Stare it up in our hands. Pray. Staring up in our hearts, staring up in our hearts, staring up in our hearts, passion for your name. Oh, sing it well. Staring up in our hearts, Lord. Staring up in our hearts, Lord. Staring up in our hearts, passion for your Stare up in our hearts, Lord. Stare it up in our hearts, Lord. Stare it up in our hearts, Lord. Stare it up in our hearts, the passion for your name.
more and more and more of your word, Lord, in the name of Jesus. In our bellies, oh God. In our spirits, oh God. In our hearts, oh God. May there be a desire that cannot be killed, oh Lord, in the name of Jesus. May we love your word, Lord. May we love your word, oh God. May somebody, oh God, have something. May somebody feel something, Lord. Something. Put something there, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Something, oh God, that cannot be taken away, oh Lord. In the name of Jesus. Day after day, oh God. Morning after morning, oh God. As we are ready for your word, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, oh God. We give you glory. We give you glory for what you have begun to do in our lives and our midst, oh God. And Lord, we pray that you will cause it to come to an end, oh God. An expected end, oh Lord. Finish what you have begun in our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus. And all that says, shout hallelujah. Amen. Amen. For the Lord in the church and take your seats. Amen. Hallelujah. Alright. Maybe I've spent too much time. How many people are in the church? How many people are blessed that they came?